and gentlemen, welcome to episode number four. Yes, number four of A Difference in Thought. Uh, this episode is titled America's Church or God's Church, Mike Pence and Micah's Priest. Uh, here at A Difference in Thought, A Difference in Thought engages and processes recent events, culture, philosophy, public policy, and faith through the ancient art of truth-telling. Join the conversation and gain an alternative perspective with a difference in thought. This podcast is an honor and homage of the work and mission of the great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And the core philosophy here is that basic arithmetic teaches us that there can be no difference without subtraction. And so if you guys remember in the last couple of weeks, we've been examining uh, different power structures. And we all know that... Uh, the ingredient of a true revolution is that it calls the privileged to change how they participate with the power structure. Now, we've talked about racism. We've talked about uh, a little bit on sexism, and there'll be more of that to come in a different episode. So right now, we're going to talk about nationalism. For some of you who are saying, uh, what, uh, what, do you, what do you mean by nationalism? Uh, now, we've been exploring different realms of supremacy. Racism is about racial supremacy. Sexism is about uh, typically uh, male supremacy. Uh, nationalism is pretty much where uh, you believe your nation uh, is above others and can uh, operate at the expense of it. And, and it's a kind of a nation worship where you kind of don't, you kind of don't, uh, <laughs> you don't argue with any decision that your nation has made. And typically, what happens with this is that some some sort of divine uh, blessing is placed on your nation that others aren't. Uh, you can think about this with uh, Rome and, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, with uh, Greek mythology. You can think about this with uh, uh, the doctrine of discovery, where you have uh, people falsely believing that God has given them approval to eradicate uh, other people. Uh, and so actually, it's interesting that we talk about that because you, you get uh, we're going to be talking about a character in the Bible that actually uh, leads you into the doctrine of discovery's origins, right? Where uh, you'll see for the first time someone falsely claims that God is okay with uprooting uh, another nation, pretty much for greed. So we're going to examine that uh, today. Uh, and so, and at the end of the episode, we're also going to bring up. Uh, an article uh, entitled, Should a Christian Love America? Uh, and so uh, we're going to look at, uh, this is going to probably be a Bible-heavy uh, episode. Uh, again, I'll, this is dedicated to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And so some things are going to feel more doctor episodes, some are going to feel more like Reverend. And this is a Reverend, this is a Reverend King episode, right? Uh uh, Martin Luther King actually uh, has a sermon. Uh, he has two sermons, which I think uh, really pertain to what we're talking about today. One is called uh, Guidelines for a Constructive Church, which I believe everybody should listen to if you have the opportunity to. And then there's one called Paul's Letter to the American Church. And in this one, he kind of uses imagination to say, you know, if Apostle Paul were still alive and he were writing a letter to the Church of America... Um, what would Apostle Paul have to say to the Church of America? What, what would he appreciate? What would he critique? And then he has one called Guidelines for a Constructive Church. And uh, he starts off with the example of uh, 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 the history of uh, guidelines, where guidelines originally were used uh, in a situation where uh, desegregation of schools was happening. And so as an incentive for people to desegregate schools, they had certain things called guidelines for federal funding, where if you wanted uh, certain federal funding, there were guidelines for how quickly you had to desegregate your schools in order for this funding to kind of come through. And so Dr. King uses it, and he speaks about uh, guidelines for a constructive church uh, uh that God has guidelines for his church uh, in order for the, uh, the funds of grace to open up so that they may be able to uh, 
uh, really be the church that God has created them to be. And so he then talk, he goes into different areas. He talks about how church isn't a place of entertainment and uh, that the church has to be a place for the uh, uh, for the brokenhearted. And he uses uh, uh, Jesus when he's reading the scripture from Isaiah, saying, "I the Spirit of God is upon me to." Uh, preach good news to the poor and to bind up the brokenhearted and uh, set the oppressed free. And so he just kind of talks about uh, the Gallons Constructive Church. And then he talks about, again, as we talked about in the first episode, people calling to this false unity. And um, uh, and so this is kind of uh, one of the, the guidelines of his life. And so uh, you see here, this kind of came to a pinnacle when we talk about where does this clash with nationalism? You, yeah, there's a speech where... Uh, he is speaking about uh, when God called him to speak out against the Vietnam War. Uh, he, he says, you know, like uh, this was and now this is going to be 67, 68. So this is already with the Civil Rights Acts of uh, 64 and, uh, you know, 65, where all those things kind of came to be. And so, you know, Lyndon B. Johnson is kind of, you know, uh, now engaging in this in this war and justly this kind of going against what the people of Vietnam actually uh, wish. And Dr. King was the only one to come out against this. You see um, uh, Muhammad Ali also did this uh, and famously got his titles stripped from him, yet he said he would not go. And so Dr. King also came to this realization and said that it was an evil war and uh, that, you know, he cannot just be satisfied that uh, his brothers and sisters in America uh, got closer to freedom through these uh, Johnsonian uh, 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 pieces of legislation uh, with the right to vote and desegregation and, and, and equal protection of the law. But he says that when he saw the people of Vietnam and, and what was going on there and what the war was doing to the people over there, he says he's got to stand up and he has a, he then and in this he kind of says, you know, there are people that are more concerned about being in the White House than about being a member of God's house. And he's uh, he's kind of I mean, once you kind of do your history, he's kind of calling out Whitney Young. So Whitney Young was founder of the National Urban League. And so in the famous picture of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King uh, with in the office with Lyndon B. Johnson, you also see. Uh, Whitney Young and another person there as well. One of those other people is uh, Whitney Young, and so Whitney Young was kind of saying, "Hey, we got we got we kind of got a strike while the while the uh, 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 pan is hot." And uh, I, I'm not really good at idioms, so I don't know if if strike while the fire is hot. I don't know how that goes, but he <laughs> pretty much says, "Hey, man, you know, kind of chill off on this war. We've got the president's ear. Let's kind of you know use the power that we can to you know uh, kind of do that, but kind of." you know, tone it down on this Vietnam War stuff, you know, that's not really gonna, gonna help, but, uh, so in that sermon, Dr. King is shouting him out and saying, hey, some people are more concerned about being in God's, in the White House than being in God's house, but the White House didn't call me to preach, and America didn't call me to preach, God called me to preach, and this is an evil war, and I'm gonna speak out against it, and he pretty much was extending his call to be a Christian and to be a neighbor outside of the bounds of just being American. And so we have uh, 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 kind of this history of, of where Dr. King recognized that there is a point where uh, my nationalism, if I'm, I'm, I'm so consumed with just my nation and, and my, my, my own lot, uh, where I, for, for uh, lust for power, I stop rebuking and telling the truth to my nation. And so you see, you, you see this happening. And actually, uh, John the Baptist, at the beginning of uh, Jesus' ministry, we all know that, you know, we know John the Baptist as, you know, he ate honey and locust and, you know, he baptized a lot of people and said, you know, repent, uh, prepare you the way of the Lord. And, you know, you, you hear a lot of, uh, about that and him ultimately baptizing Jesus. But something that I read um, recently when, re, uh, when reading that narrative again was something that I hadn't seen before. And so, to give context, the Pharisees and the religious rulers of that day are kind of hearing, seeing, you know, they heard about a hype of what this John the Baptist was kind of doing, and so they come and see him. 
And uh, John the Baptist, who, uh, you know, wasn't <laughs> the perfect specimen, is kind of like disappointed that they're like, oh, man, who told you guys? Uh, <laughs> who told you guys about about uh, 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 the truth and the hope that is to come? And uh, but his rebuke was correct. His 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 rebuke uh, says essentially that um, do not think because you are of you are children of Abraham that you also uh, that that you don't have to repent, right? Uh, there's still things that you need to repent, and that the God the uh, God stands with His axe to the root, uh, uh, the root of 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 David essentially, and saying that he he can you know he can start uh, uh, anew from the root, and uh, G- uh, Jesus being the you know the root of David, and he's talking about hey Jesus is coming with a new kingdom, but if you are so concerned and focused on just being a, a part of the nation of Israel, you'll miss where you have to repent. And so what he is, uh, what he's saying here is, uh, because we have to understand being in Israel, that was said something about their race. And that also said something about their, their, their nation. And a lot of times racism and nationalism are very much tied together. They normally are troubles that, that, uh, travel together, like conjoined twins almost. Uh, and so he's, he's, his rebuke is, hey, if you are so, if you are only concerned about your nation or you think that God uh, is only thinking about your nation, you are not, you're going to have a hard time in the kingdom of God. If you think that God is only about your race, you're going to have a hard time in the kingdom of God. And it's really going to affect how you're able to see areas where you need to repent. And so this is a, um, this is a, a, the rebuke that John the Baptist gives. And when we look at the history of uh, churches in power with the government, you typically see where they are enabling the wickedness of their nation uh, more so than uh, rebuking against it. Uh, a, a good example of, of a good relationship with nationalism, you see... Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where they they are they are learning about their the 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 nation Babylon that they're in, but but they say I will not defile myself. It gets to a point where, you know, it's cool that I'm selected and being trained and honed to have some type of power or some type of 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 position in this in this nation, but God has guidelines for His church. And I'm not going to defile myself for power. But a lot of times when an election is there or people are afraid about what's going to happen with the Supreme Court, uh, even with his last election, uh, um, supporting someone that was uh, very much anti the teachings of Christ uh, in his personal life and his history of of discrimination through his hotels and and and. And uh, uh, his his personal ethics uh, and what he was hoping to do and what he ran off of that was very divisive and very uh, nationalistic and uh, 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 racist and all of the ists <laughs> that you don't want. <laughs> it was it was it was there, but a lot of people sold out uh, the king of kings for a Supreme Court seat. And uh, well, as we talked about in the last episode, uh, if Jesus came to America, what his plight would be. And you look at the, the, the policies that Trump was proposing, um, uh, forgetting that Jesus was a, a refugee who had to seek refuge in Egypt. And what would the hope of, of, of our faith be if Egypt said, uh, you know, Egypt first or, you know, uh, you know, we're not we're not dealing with uh, troublesome Israelis right now. You know, it's a troubling history or uh <laughs> Hey, you know what? Uh, we got an Israeli travel ban, so uh, uh, you know what would the hope of Jesus uh, be? What would his fate be if that was the policy at the time? Um, so here you see uh, uh, the history of how these things kind of aren't matching up. Yet, uh, despite that, people still chose to support for the hope of gaining power in their nation, missing. And and again, as John the Baptist said, missing uh, places where they need to repent and places where they need to call people to repentance. And so this is this is the nature. So it, ha- it has to come down to the point of: Are we going to be America's 
church? Uh, or are we going to be God's church? And as Dr. King says, are we going to follow the guidelines that God has sent us here to be salt, to preserve and to, to be a light? Or are we um, going to forsake being salt uh, in order for, for safety or, or, or power? And so uh, I want to give you a, a little bit of history of kind of what happens when, what can happen in a society, what happened in, in society or even in Virginia uh, as we continue uh, kind of the narrative of, of uh, what we were talking about last week with uh, what happens when Jesus becomes white. Uh, just a little history lesson about uh, the slave trade in Virginia. So slave trade in, in Virginia, uh, there were uh, a couple of places where uh, most of the slave ships would come in. And, and then there were places where uh, central bases where uh, slaves were sold and then shipped out to different parts of the, the, the country at the time. And the disturbing thing is that on uh, uh, the place where most of the slaves were sold, there were uh, six churches that sat on the hills overlooking the slave trade, and they were quite silent and complicit with the, the, the sale of people that bore the image of God. And understanding, again, under the slave codes of 1705 of Virginia, uh, the, the, uh, this nation would have enslaved uh, their savior. Yet for power uh, and profit, they refused to speak out against their nation. And because of that, it was kind of like this false cosign that 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 happened. And those have spiritual origins even back to um, uh, a story, the story of uh, Micah's priest. And uh, this is in the book of Judges, by the way, if you're curious and you want to check it out. And this is kind of what spurred the, the, the title here. Uh, essentially, you had someone, uh, this was in the book of Judges, and there were no kings. And so everybody just kind of said, you know, this is what I think is right, and this is what I'm going to do, what's what I'm going to do. But because of their history, they still wanted to um, uh, kind of hang on to a, a form of, uh, is that, I think, is that in a, First Timothy, uh, where it says having a form of godliness but denying its power. For twenty us, you have this religious kind of uh, 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 structure of 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 religion, but you don't actually do the things. Uh, you actually you you provide lip service, but it's not something that's of the heart. And so this is kind of what Israel was kind of was kind of doing. They still very much, you know, we're we're God's people, we're God's chosen, but they 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 were not living according to the guidelines that was given. Uh, to them, and so there's this 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 man uh, named Micah who uh, uh, decides that instead of going to the house of worship, which we later find out is in the another town called Shiloh, he breaks the Levitical law and says, "I'm going to I'm going to build I'm going to make my own religion. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get a uh, like this decorated priestly robe called an ephod or whatever, and I'm gonna put it in my house and." Uh, uh, I'm going to uh, install my son as a priest, which number one, he wasn't a Levite, so we couldn't do that. So just a background on Levitical law so you understand what's going on here. Uh, number one, that the house of, of God could only be in one place. So, you know, there wasn't a, here's my my temple, your temple, you know, God, God reigned in one place and, and you know, people had to uh, worship in that temple and not because it was all about community and worshiping as community. And so he wanted to isolate himself and have his own religion and whatever. So number one, he creates his own temple. Not good. Uh, number two, uh, only, only the tribe of Levi could be, um, priest to God. Any other person, you, you, you couldn't really do that. And if you're well-versed in the Bible, you understand uh, this was also a problem when King Saul tried to make a sacrifice without a Levite, and this was one of the things that ultimately made God regret choosing him as king. Um, and Samuel had to rebuke him for that. Uh, and so here this guy has his own, you know, religion. He's just stepping and trampling all over Levitical law in, in hopes of doing, just pretty much doing what he wants to do. So here 
then enters the story a Levite who's kind of traveling around and, you know, just trying to find a place to stay and a place to eat. And he comes to Micah's house. Now, this Levite, well-versed in Levitical law, comes into this house. And what should happen is that he should say, hey, Micah, uh, you are not living according to the law of God. And as a, as a priest, I'm called to, to tell you that, hey, number one, you need to shut this down because you can't have uh, 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 a temple outside of where God has a temple. The, the, the temple's in Shiloh. <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> and number two, you can't just be installing your son because that's 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 not what it is. But here's the thing that happens. This Levite needs a place to eat and a place to stay. And so Micah uh, says, oh, great. Uh, you're a Levite. OK, well, why don't you come in here and, and uh, why don't why don't you, uh, you know, uh, uh, come and live with me? Right. I'll give you a place to eat and a place to stay. And, you know, uh, and then you can you can kind of be the priest for what my temple that I have here. And so here um, this person has the, the Levite has a dilemma. Right. There's a more dilemma. Do I continue to continue by the guidelines that God has for me or for uh, power and position and provision? Uh, do I forsake the guidelines for temporary uh, pleasure and and and, you know, you know, hot meal and, and some type of stability, right? Because he didn't want to face uh, being alone. Uh, but it's better to be alone with with God than uh, uh, in, an, in an assembly without him. Uh, and so the Levite makes the wrong decision, decides to co-sign this guy. And, uh, and there was a set amount of idols that he had. Let's just say for the sake of examples, let's say he only had three idols, uh, but at the uh, during his stay, the idol the idol uh, count increases in Micah's life because Micah now says, "Oh, great! There's a Levite, so God must be with me." So now uh, Micah is convinced that uh, God is with him and God is co-signing his foolishness because a representative of of God did not follow the guidelines, and so uh, uh, it it uh, worsens and exacerbates. Uh, Micah's acquiring of, of idol worship. And so then you fast forward in this story and uh, some other people come to town uh, who uh, notice what Micah has and they, they covet what Micah has and, and they, they, uh, they take uh, his ephod and all of, his, all of these things. And then they also come, then they come to the priest and the priest says, hey, what are you guys doing? Now, again, Levitical, Levitical priest, Levitical law, you know, Moses is the easy one. Do not steal, right? <laughs> he can say, hey, you guys aren't supposed to be taking these things. And, you know, but he's already compromised. So um, the these people then offer pretty much him a promotion and say, if you come with us, we're, we're trying to take this land and you can you can be priest over that land. And so these were there were a group of people called the Laish people. And uh, the Bible just says that they it was they they they. Uh, they were an isolated community. I mean, they, they, they didn't have any type of diplomacy or relationship with other nations, so they're out and alone. So they were the vulnerable, right? They were vulnerable. And so here, these people uh, that come uh, and steal from Micah and then hire the priest to be their, their, their underling, right? Then come and say, hey, well, uh, what do you think your God says about these Laish people? Can we, can we take their land? And again, the, the Levite forsakes the guidelines um, and for no reason uh, then lies and says, oh, yeah, well, God says it's OK to take this land. And so they devour these uh, they, and, and consume and overtake these Laish people uh, who are, you know, weren't bothering them, but they coveted their land and uh, off, off of a false uh, 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 doctrine that God was with them. Uh, all because this Levite wanted power and position and a, and a place to, you know, place to eat some type of stability and he wanted to avoid persecution for, 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 for being a truth teller. He forsook the guidelines and look at the consequences of it. There we have the origins of the doctrine of discovery, which was then later, uh, that same pattern was used, um, uh, uh, by by England and, and Spain and I believe the Portuguese uh, uh, 
when they were overtaking lands, they said, well, if they're not Christian nations, then, you know, God's all right with uh, you taking their land. And, and this is exactly a copy and paste in how America was founded. That's why I'm combining these two with Micah's priest. And then you have uh, you have a you have a Mike Pence. Right. Uh, and when we're specifically talking about nationalism, we talked about in episode one, uh, the truth teller, Colin Kaepernick, that is talking about America is uh, 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 abusing and, and not uh, being fair to the least of these. Uh, and so here you see, obviously, as a Christian, if you understood where Jesus came from and while a lot of police brutality happens in uh, poor African-American neighborhoods, as you can look at the um, you can Google uh, something called the Gun Trace Task Force that's going on in Baltimore right now, where you have uh, two police officers are on trial, but a lot of police officers are cooperating and saying that, you know, they were. They were stealing money from people and doing hit and runs and kept toy guns on them to plant on people and, and, and uh, were planting drugs on people falsely. And, and, and uh, police officers would address drug dealers and then listen in on their calls and then go rob their, <laughs> their storehouses. And even, even you know, uh, calls of people saying that uh, police officers uh, sometimes charge rent to drug dealers uh it's a, in order to leave them alone, in order to get a cut of the money, and all of, all sorts of corruption. And it's funny that Baltimore is the team that didn't sign Colin Kaepernick. Uh, but that's a whole different episode, which we will be covering, by the way. Uh, but here you see uh, something very, very uh, plainly uh, wrong that is happening, and that is happening consistently. Uh, and so other other players then adopt this cause and, and the president calls them uh, SOBs and, and says they ought to be fired and get them out of here. You disrespect our nation. And here we have in the middle of this, we have a Christian or someone who calls himself a Christian or, or Mike Pence, who by his own words says, I'm Christian first and American second. So here we have, he goes to this football game and, and there are some protesters that are taking on uh, the same cause of Colin Kaepernick and calling attention and, and, and call, telling the privilege that we need to change how we participate uh, uh, in order to benefit the least of these. And here Mike Pence has a choice. Now, I can, as a Christian, <laughs> agree with what uh, my fellow Christian brother, Colin Kaepernick, is doing. Uh, or I can defend my nation. And so... He, oh, I'm walking out. We're leaving, and 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 we're 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 getting out of here. And uh, but 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 he said, "I'm Christian first, American second. Now, when you think of the fact that Jesus was from Nazareth, was a poor town where people said nothing good can come from Nazareth, and also a very very key point. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say this twice. So listen up. Jesus was killed by his government." not for his government. Again, Jesus was killed by his government, not for his government. And so as a Christian, when people think, talk about uh, problems in the criminal justice system, if you are a Christian that believes that Jesus lived a faultless life, but also died on the cross, inherent in that belief is the belief that the Roman justice system got it wrong. Right. Because if you believe that Jesus is perfect, I mean, he lived an innocent life, yet he was uh, sentenced to the death of a criminal. Inherent in your Christian belief is a belief that the world's uh, and the empire's justice system gets it wrong sometimes. And so and even Jesus, uh, when you think of how he was beaten and, 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 and whipped and uh, mocked and, and spit on. Jesus himself was a victim of police brutality. But we have Mike Pence who says, I'm a Christian first and American second. If you truly are a Christian first and someone is calling uh, 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 and, and Jesus says uh, in Matthew 25, what you do the least of these uh, you, you, you done unto me when I was uh, poor and sick and in prison, you visited me. And so 
Colin Kaepernick following in the call of Christ to defend the least of these. If you're a Christian first and you see someone calling attention to this, why would you side with your nation? If you're Christian first and American second, when you're very when the very Christ and the Christian you claim to be was killed by his government, not for his government, and suffered under police brutality and a criminal justice system that killed him because he was defying the power structure. The whole reason Pontius was saying was saying, hey man, you saying you're a king? He was saying, yo, um, yo, you you're trying to run things? Now Jesus told him I'm not, I'm not trying to. But you also have to you have to remember who was Jesus. Who was Jesus offered up to be um, uh, for potential to be set free by? It was Jesus and Barabbas. Barabbas was a revolutionary that was that was leading a call, uh, leading a revolution against the power structure of that time. And so Jesus was grouped in with him. And say, who do you want? And at that point, that's when uh, Jewish leaders, because though Jesus was not challenging Pilate's power structure, he absolutely was challenging the Jewish leaders power structure. And the Jewish leaders turned him over to the government uh, 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 unjustly in order to be killed, in order to preserve their power. And so here we see uh, there are there are two uses of the cross right now. Jesus's use of the cross was to redeem. And, and and to set the captives free and to end oppression. But then uh, uh, Rome had a use of the cross, right? Uh, uh, that was to um, suppress the voice of those who were trying to dismantle oppression, right? Because if it wasn't Jesus, Barabbas was going to be. So the whole thing was they were trying to persecute him. That's why they mocked him and said, oh, look, guys, king of the Jews. If any of y'all out here think y'all going to be king, you're going to get the same treatment. And so here you see the use of the cross. Uh, and so when when and, and the reason why I use this is because I was I, I won't never, I'll never forget this. I was driving. And while this whole frenzy was happening of, you know, Donald Trump saying all these SOBs and we should throw them out and all these different things. I saw someone who had a bumper sticker and I, I assume he was a Christian because of the, what the bumper sticker said. And so the bumper sticker said, I kneel at the cross and I stand for the flag. I'm going to read that again and let me see if y'all see the problem. <laughs> I kneel at the cross. I stand for the flag. Seems like a little bit of a problem with nationalism there, right? And so, uh, which cross are you kneeling at? Are you kneeling at the cross of Jesus, which is called to set the captives free and 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 to uh, 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 dismantle the system of oppression that uh, the leaders of that time, the Jewish leaders at the time, are using to uh, oppress and manipulate people? Uh, and you see him counteracting this with a woman caught in adultery. Uh, and saying he was without sin, you know, cast the first stone and, and telling the religious leaders that they are not children of Abraham, but children of Satan. You, 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 you see that. So so are you using the cross in a way to 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 where you're taking the cross and setting the captives free? Or are you using the cross to put uh, Jesus on it, to put people who are looking to dismantle the systems of oppression on it. So when this person says, I kneel at the cross and I stand for the flag, I believe he's kneeling to the cross of Rome that is used to silence people who are trying to uh, change, uh, call, who are trying to call people in power to change how they participate in the power structure. And so when 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 Mike Pence is put before this this cross, it seems quite clear which cross he is kneeling at, what purpose he is using this cross for. And so, yes, it's it, you know, you want to uh, honor the troops. And and uh, this was never about the troops, by the way. But even if it was, you have to remember, Jesus was killed by his government, not for it. Uh, and so. Uh, 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 here are some, uh, so I want to give some examples of what is a good way to, to use, uh, uh, the citizenship that you have 
to use it in the way of the cross that Jesus calls us to, right? The cross that, uh, um, the cross that crucifies oppression uh, and not crucifying the person that cries out against it. And so you see examples of this, right? You see examples of, um, uh, you see Nathan rebuking David. Now, now Nathan was a prophet first and <laughs> an Israelite second when you look at how his relationship with David was. Here you see David was the king, God's chosen one, that what God's anointed one, uh, yet he was abusing his power over in order to fulfill his lust and his envy and his greed in the same way, except this time it wasn't the Laish people. It wasn't uh, a land and, and Native Americans as was the center of America. This time it was of uh, 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 his friend Uriah's wife, right? And we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about this story when we get into sexism, right? Uh, and 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 what happens when that's in a power structure because David is a, a, abusing his power dynamic with this woman in order to get what he wants and to coerce her into doing these types of things. And so Nathan doesn't say, well, you know, uh, David's a pretty good king. I like his war policy. He's pretty good. You know, Saul's has his thousands. David has his tens of thousands. You know, David's really good at war. So I'm not going to rebuke him, you know, because I really like his his foreign policy. Right. <laughs> Or what happens if we get a king who doesn't who doesn't fight as well? You know, I don't want to you know what's going to happen to Israel. Right. No, he stayed true to the guidelines, as as Dr. King said, the guidelines of a constructive church. And so Nathan doesn't forsake this, these guidelines. And he rebukes David and it brings David to a place of repentance. Right. Uh, you you uh, see the story of uh, and some some of you all might not um might not see this story as that and because typically we're, we're, we're noted by his faith. But I think the story of the centurion, right, who comes to Jesus. Now, most of us are marvel at his faith. I want to marvel at how he understood his relationship with God and his relationship with his nation, how he couldn't carry over the power that he held in his nation into his relationship with God. So the centurion uh, you know, his servant is sick. And so he comes to Jesus and he bows to Jesus and he says, he says, I am a soldier and I command people uh, to go to and fro and they answer me. But I, 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 I am not doing that with you. Right. So here's he's saying, he's saying due to my position, and due to my nation, I have a lot of power. I can wield that power to 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 command people to go here and to go there. But my the power of my nation, I am recognizing that due to who you are and and who I am compared to you, that you uh, override and are ultimately supreme to whatever power my nation has given me. And so he's saying, I'm taking the, the, the power that Rome has given to me and I'm submitting it to you. And I'm putting my faith in you, not my faith in the power of Rome, because here's a situation where, you know, all the power that Rome gave this man didn't do anything, was powerless to heal his servant. And so he understood that uh, the power I have in Rome has nothing to do with the king of kings. Any crown that I get on earth, I'm going to have to lay before God anyway. So why would I trade? Why would I betray the king for a crown? Right. The king has a has the power. The crown is just a symbol. And, and, and anyways, the crown, I'm going to have to bow before him anyway. And so he bows and says, you know, you know, and I'm not even worthy. <laughs> I'm not even worthy for you to come to my house. Just say the word and I'll believe it. And so here he's saying that no matter what my nation has told me, when it comes before me and Jesus, I'm still not worthy. Jesus doesn't, Jesus doesn't care that I'm that I'm Roman. Jesus doesn't care that I have this power uh, by, from a military or from a, a, a nation. This is Jesus. Jesus cares that I submit in faith. 
And so I think that's a healthy way to wield our nationalism. But if we believe that our nationalism makes us exempt from that, and, you know, I hate when people say God bless America because a lot of people say it like a command and not a request, as if God is obligated or God is impressed with what America has done. And, and uh, uh, there's a brother named Shobaraka who says um, patriotism is not a fruit of the spirit, <laughs> even though we treat it like it is. You know, he says, like, the, the ultimate uh, goal of the of 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 Jesus and of the and of the Holy Spirit is not to make us more American. It is to make us more Christ like patriotism is not a fruit of the spirit. And so you see in these examples with Nathan, you see in the examples with the centurion servant that they 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 were not deceived into thinking just because I am of this nation, I don't have to come correct before God. And this is the original rebuke that you see with John the Baptist, where John the Baptist is 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 warning these people. And I think this is this is the 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 warning that we have uh, specifically as the American church. Uh, we cannot think that just because we are of the nation of America, that that we are we are exempt from repentance, that we are exempt from sacrifice, that we are exempt from submission uh, that, you know, uh, we are not exempt because we're American, even though people teach that, uh, and and people think that they're Christian just because they're American. (laughs) No, we have to follow the guidelines. Like Dr. King was saying, we cannot, uh, uh, even though, uh, our society tries to make us think, uh, that we are, uh, it is, it is, imperative that we follow the guidelines that Christ has and that we stop trading in the king for a crown. It is it is terrible that people supported someone as morally bankrupt as Donald Trump because they wanted a Supreme Court seat. You are trading in the king of kings for a crown, a crown that you will have to surrender Anyway, and so this is, you know, I'm going to I'm going to be wrapping uh, this up uh, with an article uh, that I wrote, and it's called Should a Christian Love America? Because I, I think, again, this is the difference in thought. This is this is talking about. Remember, a true revolution is requires us to change the way that we participate with the power structure. And so if we re- fail to see the rebuke of John the Baptist that says, hey, be careful. I know the society around you and the power structure around you tells you because you're part of this American thing and part of, 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 of this race or part of whatever that you don't have to repent. But no, you have to repent and prepare you the way of the Lord. A lot of times has to do with preparing our thinking, changing our thinking. Jesus came and flipped the power structure and a lot of the things all the way on its head. Like even when he chose women to be the the uh, the witnesses to to his resurrection and then told the women to go and to go to the men. You know, the it, it, women were not allowed to testify in society during that time because they were thought to be too hysterical. But here you see Jesus telling women to be a witness and say, go tell Peter and, and, and the others that I, you know, that I'm that I'm risen, as I have said, and you find out that it wasn't the women, but it was the men that were too hysterical. And so Jesus comes and he flips this and says, "Look, the way that the power structure has informed you to think about certain things is wrong, and you need to repent about this." And so this is this is a letter that I wrote uh, around Easter, right? Because we talk about Easter and we talk about uh, we talk about uh, resurrection, and but really. Easter, and when you think about the resurrection of why Jesus came, it was about opening up access to people, right? Uh, and Jesus died for access. Jesus, and, and again, Jesus' use of the cross was to open up access to people, while Rome and, and, and Caesar's use of the cross was to, was to torture and to suppress. Uh, Jesus was about access, right? And so I'm going to read this letter, um, uh, and then uh, that'll be it for this episode. Uh, it'll be a 
it'll be a shorter one. <laughs> and so, uh, letter to the Christian who loves America, right? So it says, uh, the Americas were a company, not a country. They were a company titled the Virginia Company, which was in fact founded to make profit on a land claimed by genocide. Its founding goals were profit by any means necessary, unless you were Christian, which again was the doctrine of discovery. And we talked about that earlier today with Micah's priest. Uh, and so it's just, sure, we can, we can blame Great Britain for that and pretend like America wasn't propped up from the benefits of that oppression. But in actuality, it was founded on the same principles. The principles are there are products and there are people. Again, there are products and then there are people. The people are to use or sell the products to make profit. If you are considered the people, you get to believe in the illusion of America the beautiful. If you are considered the product, you are forever the butt of the joke that America is the land of the free. Now, as Americans, we are conditioned to respond to this by saying, oh, but we are freer or more free than other countries. Uh, and perhaps you have made the great ultimatum of if you don't like it here, go live in these other places. Right. But I would point out two things. We don't call ourselves the land of the freer. <laughs> We say we are the land of the free. Uh, Whitney, Whitney Young, who I referenced earlier, uh, uh, one of the presidents of the National Urban League uh, during the 60s, uh, quoted, uh, I believe, Ernest Hemingway, who said, there is nothing noble in being superior to somebody else. The only real nobility is in being superior to your former self. That being said, it is most efficient to compare America presently not with other present countries, which our failed foreign policy may have contributed to anyways. You can, I, I, I referenced that in uh, episode number two when you want to talk about hating colonialization. Uh, now, it is important to realize who did America consider people at the coining of the phrase, we the people. To answer this question, simply look at the back of a $2 bill. The answer would be rich white men. Rich white men who mostly owned businesses and slaves who they thought of as products and not people. Anyone familiar with women's suffrage in the 1705 Virginia Slave Codes know that anyone not like the people on the back of the $2 bill were pretty much regarded as products by definition or by function in society. Study Bacon's Rebellion, which I, which I talked about last week, and the invention of the term white as a response to the united efforts of the oppressed to overthrow another group of rich, powerful white men. Uh, now, if we are to judge the progress of America, let us also expound on a second valid, valid criterion of compa comparison that Whitney Young states. Uh, people ought not to compare themselves to, their com to other people, but to... They have to compare themselves to justice itself or, or the guidelines that Dr. King references. Another uh, valid criterion of comparison is justice. Now, at the onset of America, was it equal and just in its representation of the people that lived there at the time and were working to better the nation? Now, in the back of the, dollar bill, uh, the $2 bill, uh, there are no women. There are no slaves. There are no Native Americans. There are no poor indentured servants. Uh, 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 none of these people uh, who were present at the onset of America, yet the, yet the country was built on the backs and blood of these people. This is the exclusive organization you pledge your allegiance to. And at the time of this picture, you already know that it is not... Uh, exemplary behavior, but th these are the people that we call founding fathers. These are the people we pledge our allegiance to. Now, when we talk about there are people and there are products, now, if you were considered products at the time of the picture on the back of the $2 bill, you already know <laughs> this is not exemplary behavior. However, if you were considered people at this time, you may be feeling unsettled by me stating that the founding fathers were not just and not exemplary when we use the criterion of justice itself as the measuring stick for equality and justice instead of some other nation. Now let this unsettling awaken you from your slumber to the reality of America for so many of those deemed products. 
the, the irony of this picture is that all of the rich white oppressors were gathering together to request freedom from their oppressors while they were oppressing and withholding freedom from other humans in their everyday lives. Again, power structures are sustained by things that we do in our everyday lives. Now, think about this. Let's paint this picture. So one of these uh, gentlemen on the back of the $2 bill, let's say, wakes up in his bed made by his black house slave. And, and this man kneels and says a prayer to Jesus, who by the 1705 Virginia Slave Codes would be considered a slave or at least an indentured servant. And then this man walks downstairs and tells his wife to stay at home while he and the menfolk go talk about freedom. <laughs> he grabs his notes and walks outside past the plantation full of slaves. <laughs> he walks past the plantation full of slaves to go declare independence. <laughs> he walks past the oppressed he personally profits from, yet he has freedom on his mind. What type of freedom are we truly striving for in America? Very often when the people talk about freedom, it is a very different type of freedom as the people who are regarded as products. When people say America is free, I often wonder if they mean we have achieved true freedom for the people or for those regarded as products as well. Now, some of you may be wondering, what in the world does this have to do with Christians? And why only write this letter to Christians specifically? Well, the life of Jesus was all about gaining access for those who have been shut out. Yet in not so bold and large letters, right under this picture of rich white oppressors are the four words, in God we trust. Now on the back of the $2 bill, you see God under the feet of the rich white male oppressors is, is God, the Jesus of the Bible. Interesting placement, isn't it? For Jesus, a brown-skinned refugee living under the oppression of the Roman Empire, who aligned himself with the oppressed and was all about access, taught us to search for him in the least of these. On the back of the $2 bill, where can you find the Jesus or the least of these of 1776 in this picture? You would find them under the feet of the founding fathers, where in God we trust is listed. The founding fathers mentioned God, but have excluded him as the least of these for their own agenda. How is this still not America today? Look at how many vital decision making positions and institutions are still dominated by rich white males. Look at the organizational chart of your job or or dare I say, even your church. The higher you go, the wider the faces normally get. Meanwhile, the case is often different for the support-oriented roles that typically are occupied by minorities. How is America still not the back of the $2 bill? Please don't say, but Barack Obama. <laughs> if Jesus separated the just America by sheep and goats as he does in Matthew 25, where would the people on the back of the $2 bill and our nation as a whole fall? I went through that entire ordeal to state that a sincere and essential measure of freedom is access. Access to power, access to education, access to opportunity, access to decision-making, access to healthcare, and access to dignity. I write to Christians because you cannot explain the entire mission of Christ without talking about access. If you go back as far as Eden and the first prophecy of Christ, it comes at a point where humanity lost access to God and the pleasure of Eden because of sin. The promise of Jesus is given to destroy the serpent's head at the cost of a bruised heel. That again is, is, is Jesus's use of the cross. On Easter weekend, as our faith reflects on the bruising or crucifixion of Christ and the resurrection and triumph of Christ and the enemy uh, uh, and, and death, we cannot have this discussion or celebration without talking about access. Jesus was bruised for access. Jesus lived for access. Jesus to this day intercedes for us so that we can have access to the Father. Every prayer you pray is in the name of Jesus because it is through him that we have access to the presence of God and access to the privileges of belonging to the family of God. As soon as Jesus died on Good Friday, the temple veil that split sinful man from the Holy of Holies was split to grant access. 
Souls bound in Sheol from spiritual debt were set free to access God's presence for all of eternity. Throughout the life of Jesus, he, he sought out those who lost access. The Samaritan woman was told her people could not worship God. And Jesus said, if you worship God and in spirit and in truth, you can access a relationship with God. The lepers who were outcasts from society due to their health were granted access to society and access to dignity when Jesus chose to touch them to heal them. Lazarus was given access to life and an extended life expectancy. The woman with the issue of blood was given access to healing after spending all she had on a failed health system. The poor fishermen who were relegated to a life of insignificance and ignorance by society were given access to the books of history as the founders of the greatest movement on earth. Jesus lived and died to give us access. Now the question begs the answer, how on earth is a Christian nation founded in a room that denied access to so many people? How as a follower of Christ am I to celebrate founding fathers who denied so many people access in a country founded on freedom? Is this the ideal of a country worthy of my allegiance? Returning to the image on the back of the $2 bill, if you think Jesus, the God of access, had a chance to assemble a group for a conversation on freedom in 1776, that it would be entirely made up of rich, white, and male people who owned other human beings? Do you think this is a nation the God of access would bless? Is this the type of reality the God of access lived and died to gain or as Christians, as followers of the God of access, is it high time for us to stop pretending like America is the standard and start pledging our allegiance to a higher kingdom and nation of access? I believe if the God of access was really given access to choose the decision makers on a land of true freedom, the image of the $2 bill would look more like the image given in Revelations 5, 9 and 7, 9, where it says, and they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and by your blood you purchased for God those from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one can count from every nation every tribe, every people, and every language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. This alone, my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, is the type of nation that is due our allegiance. Anything less should not have our blind allegiance, but instead should have our lifelong effort of living and even dying to gain access for the denied and the shut out, just like our crucified King and our risen Savior. We must kneel at the cross of Jesus and not at the cross of Caesar that seeks to silence oppressors and make an example of those who dare dedicate their lives to the least of these. As Christians and citizens of the kingdom of the God of access, he has sent us to America in order for us to reflect and let us begin to reflect and ask the question, what blood have we spilled and what sacrifices have we made to give access to others? Again, this whole uh, uh, a vision of a difference in thought is that basic arithmetic teaches us that there can be no difference without subtraction. What subtractions have we embraced to give access to others? I'm not talking about just raising awareness and having conferences and tweeting. Have we been bruised for the access of others? Yes or no? Why or why not? Do you know that's what we are called to do? We are not just called to uh, lavish and relinquish in the freedoms, quote unquote, of America. We are called to use those to open up access for others. As it was done to the master, so shall it be done to his followers. This is, this is what we're called to do. I challenge you with your God-given imagination to re-enter the room on the back of the $2 bill. But this time, imagine the brown-skinned savior of the world saying to all the white founding fathers that the following words of the prophet Isaiah, and imagine what they would have meant in 1776, and imagine what they mean today in 2018. Of course, not perpetuating that, you know, America has a special relationship with God, but imagine... Jesus reading 
this. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression in the house of Jacob their sins. You seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. You ask of me the ordinances of justice. You take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of our fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day or an acceptable nation to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundation of many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. I believe that's the type of nation that Jesus would have founded. And any time as a Christian sent to be salt and sent to be light to America, when we see any politician any policy going against that call of that righteous nation we as Christians have a duty to be like the centurion and to be like Nathan and not be like that Levitical priest and taking the power and taking the position but we are to join the least of these and lend them our voices and lend them our privileges in America and all across the world to bring about a just society of access. And we are to embrace those subtractions and we are to support those who dare embrace those subtractions and tell the truth to our nation. Let us honor the warning of John the Baptist and not be deceived into thinking that because we are America, we don't have to repent and we don't have to follow the guidelines, as Dr. King said. That's all the time that I have for today. This has been episode number four of A Difference in Thought. <laughs> America's Church or God's Church, Mike Pence and Micah's Priest. No, there was a lot. I thought I was going to be able to <laughs> in a little bit earlier, but I guess not. I hope you all are... Uh, enjoying this and enjoying uh, what we've been doing, just laying the foundation. Uh, a lot more to come. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, sexism uh, pretty soon, and also I'll be starting a new series called Fragility Has Consequences, and it talks about what happens when we're more like Mike is preached instead of Nathan, and what that means for society, what that means for people around us, what that means for just um, our lives also. So, uh, as always, thank you guys for tuning in. 
I'm your host, Charlie Ray. If you guys want to input on the show, uh, you can email me at a difference in thought at gmail.com. You can hit me up on Twitter at a different thought. Uh, that's at a D I F F I N T H O U G H T. And, uh, if this has blessed you share it, um, please rate and review on iTunes. I know I guys ask you that, that a lot, but it helps me reach more people. And, um, lest I talk your head off, right? If I have already, Hey, I'm sorry, <laughs> but this is, uh, a difference in thought. This has been episode four. I'm your host, Charlie Ray. And as always, I love you. I love you. That's why I'm here. Peace and blessings. That's it. Peace.